Welcome to worship at First United Methodist Church in Martinsville, Virginia. Today is Human Relations Sunday, and we're going to be looking at people's response to Jesus' question to follow me. And on a personal note, I would like to add that this is the 30th anniversary of my call to ministry. So it is a joy to be here with you and leading worship. Will you join me in the call to worship? Lord God, you call your people to tasks we would not ourselves choose. Give us the grace to love you enough to follow when you call. You know our weakness and have promised to give resources for that which you ask of us. We praise you for your generous care. Like Samuel, let us say, here I am. God of surprising light, here we are. We are surrounded, O oh God, with people who need to hear the story. People who need to meet the one from Nazareth, Jesus our Lord. Make our places of worship places of hospitality and welcome. Make our words and actions words and actions of invitation. Like Philip, let us say, come and see. God of surprising light, here we are. I'll be there to guide 
Let us join our hearts and minds in the opening prayer. You invite us, O God, to live in your ways, and you give us to each other to know and to love. As we journey in this life, show us your will for creation. Help us to listen to your urgings with prayerful hearts so that we may hear and heed your call to us. In the name of the Holy Trinity, one God, now and forever. Amen. Good morning, children. Now gather around the screen and I'm going to tell you a story. There's so many times that we feel like there's nothing we can do to respond to God because we're just kids, right? Or we just, we don't know enough or whatever. Well, this morning I'm going to tell you a story about a little boy who is in the Bible, and his name is Samuel. Now, you may have heard of him in other times, but right now we're going to talk about him as a child. Now, Samuel's parents are Elkanon and Hannah, and they came every year to a festival at Shiloh. And they would come, and every year, as the friends gathered, they'd be reminded that they didn't have any children. Well, this, this made Hannah's heart hurt. She wanted a child. She desperately wanted a child. So she did something one year when they came that she wasn't supposed to do. She went into the temple to pray. Now, she was sitting in the back row. She really didn't want to be noticed. So she was sitting in the back, but she was praying so hard that there were tears coming down her face and words. She was speaking out loud. She didn't really know she was doing that. And the priest Eli comes over and says, my dear, you're having a moment. You need to go someplace and pull yourself together. And Hannah goes, no, I am talking to God and letting God know what I want. And Eli says, well, what is it that you want, Hannah? What can God do for you? Hannah says, I have been faithful my whole life, and I want a child. I want a child to call my own. Well, Eli said, Hannah, your prayer has been heard. Go home. Well, they went home, and lo and behold, they had a child. Well, Hannah and the child, Samuel, didn't go back to the festival for a year or two. And then it was time for her to give her child to God. She had promised to do that if she had a child. So Hannah and Elkanon went to the festival, and I'm sure that Hannah packed a little basket to give to Samuel. Now, what do you think she might have put in that basket? A shirt, maybe? and Oh, maybe a coat in case for the winter, because this was in the summer. Maybe a new pair of sandals in case his feet grew, but things he might need for a year because they would come back every year for the festival and see him. And Hannah would come with a little basket of things and talk to her son. So Samuel lived there for, let's say he was eight or nine, okay? And he would sleep near Eli because Eli was old and had trouble getting around. And I'm sure that there were times that Eli put his 
hand on Samuel's shoulder and walked around so he wouldn't bump into things and that. So Samuel was sleeping in his cot and he heard, Samuel, Samuel. Well, he got up right away and went to see Eli. And Eli goes, I didn't call you. Okay, so I'll go back to bed, said Samuel. This happened three times. The third time, Eli knew that it was God calling Samuel. And he said, go back to bed, go to sleep. If you hear it again, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Well, don't you know that Samuel went back to sleep and he was awakened. And it says, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. This marks Samuel's lifelong journey of listening to God and doing what God wants him to do. Now, sometimes Samuel would argue a little bit with God because he was human and God asked some peculiar things sometimes, but Samuel would do it. That was his whole life. And so that's what we can do. Each and every one of us can listen to what it is God is saying to us. So that's your lesson for today, to think about Samuel, this little child who listened to God and grew up to be a very important person in Israel. Will you pray with me for a moment? Dear Lord, help me to listen to you and do your will. Amen. Let us join our hearts in the prayer for illumination. Guide us, O God, by your word and Holy Spirit, that in your light we may see light, in your truth find freedom, and in your will discover peace through Christ our Lord. Amen. Our psalm this morning is Psalm 139. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from far away. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, O Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in behind and before and lay on your hand on me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is so high that I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit? Oh, where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and settle at the farthest limits of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light all around me become night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day, for darkness is as light to you. 
for it was you who formed me, my inward parts, knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, I know very well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth, your eyes beheld my unformed substance. In your book were written all the days that were formed for me, when none of them yet existed. How weighty to me are your thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum of them! I try to count them. They are more than the sand. I come to the end, and I am still with you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. This morning, our gospel lesson comes from John, and it is as Jesus is gathering his disciples. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee, and he found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethesda, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him about whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip answered to him, Come and see. When Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him, he said of him, Here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael asked him, where did you get to know me? And Jesus answered, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip called you. Nathanael replied, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus answered, do you believe because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Very truly I tell you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. This is the gospel of our Lord. Amen. Today, on the United Methodist calendar is labeled Human Relations Sunday. It is also Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday weekend. I do not think this is a coincidence. I think the powers that be decided that the United Methodists would honor King's lifelong work for human relations in this way. I would like for us to take a few moments to reflect on our relationship with God, and our response to that constant presence in our lives. Now I'm going to tell you about Doug Hammarskjöld. He was the second Secretary General of the United Nations from 1953 to 61. He was a perfect person for this job at the time of the formation. They were trying to decide what the United Nations would do. He was a Swedish economist and a diplomat 
and a winner of the Nobel Peace Prize in 1961. He is revered as one of the preeminent leaders of the 20th century. Now, his view of the United Nations work of fostering international cooperation and reconciliation toward a peaceful world, he didn't view it simply as political. It was political politics on its highest level, but he also saw it as a religious calling. That's evidenced by this statement from an article by Dorothy Jones in the Christian Century. On his travels around the world, Hammerschel always took three items with him. These items were found in his briefcase that was recovered after the plane crash that took his life in September 1961. A copy of the New Testament, a copy of the Psalms, and a copy of the United Nations Charter. You see, he was weaving the role of the United Nations with these three documents as reference points. So this morning, let's look a little bit at Psalms and see what we can find out there. Psalms is a book of conversation, of God's words to us and our response. God's will for justice and peace among all people and all nations is stated over and over in many ways. God also foreshadows Jesus as the embodiment of God's will, laying claim to the whole world for God. The Gospels present Jesus as a fulfillment of the Psalter's articulation of God's will. Oftentimes, our lives and our history are compared to a piece of woven cloth. Each decision introduces a new texture or a new color. Every time we choose love over hate, we weave in beauty. When we choose hope over despair, we weave in brightness. When we choose to be inclusive rather than exclusive, we weave a rich and varied pattern. The threads of the warp are represented by the basic events of everyday life. At times, we have limited control over these happenings. Society changes. Economic times impact our lives differently. We are swept along in the tide. And pandemic, accident, political unrest, job loss, natural catastrophes are all beyond our command. We have no control over that event but we can decide how we respond and what we contribute to the tapestry. That is a wolf of our fabric. In a poem entitled To Weavers Everywhere, M. Reinstraw imagines once again Psalm 139. Please listen and grasp these images. They're wonderful. God sits weeping. The beautiful creation tapestry she wove with such joy is mutilated, torn into shreds, reduced to rags, its beauties fragmented by force. God sits weeping. But look, she is gathering up the shreds to weave something new. 
She gathers the rags of hard work, attempts at advocacy, initiatives for peace, protests against injustice, all the seemingly little and weak words and deeds offered sacrificially in hope, in faith, in love. And look, she's weaving them all with golden threads of jubilation into a new tapestry, a creation richer and more beautiful than the old one was. God sits weaving, weaving patiently, persistently, with a smile that radiates like a rainbow on her tear-streaked face. She invites us not only to keep offering her the shreds and rags of our suffering and our work, but even more, to take our place beside her at the Jubilee loom and weave with her the tapestry of new creation. So that gives us our invitation to work with God. Now, let's go to our gospel lesson, which we're going to look at in tandem. This morning, we watched Jesus collect some disciples. He needed those for his tapestry. And he is inviting those to come and take a place beside him. The first one he invites is Philip. And then Philip keeps the ball rolling. Now, Philip is only mentioned four times in the Gospel of John, and each time he introduces us to a new aspect of God. This is the first time he's mentioned, and he brings Nathaniel to Jesus. Well, Nathaniel is not one of those disciples that comes trippingly off your tongue, but he performed a very important function. He joins the psalm with the Gospel. He's, as Nathan approaches, Nathaniel approaches, Jesus greets him saying, here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. In other words, Jesus saying, I know you. I haven't met you yet, but I know you. That's what it said in the psalm, isn't it? And Nathan, Nathaniel answers, Rabbi, you are the son of God. We understand with this comment that Jesus is the promised one. Later on, Philip, standing in the middle of nowhere in a multitude of people, is asked by Jesus to feed him. Well, Philip is setting the stage for something we need to know. Philip goes, Lord, there's no place to get food. What am I going to do? And that sets the stage for the feeding of the multitudes, that miracle, and for us seeing Jesus as the bread of life. The third occasion... Some Greeks asked Philip to introduce them to Jesus. Well, now, what is that? That's opening Jesus and the good news to the world so that this is universal. And the fourth time he is mentioned is at the Last Supper. He asks a question in all of their minds. He says, Lord, we've been following you for three years. You said we'd find God. Would you show us the Father, please? And it is Jesus' answer that provides the most profound introduction. Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. So you see, Philip, while not an outstanding disciple, is a very important disciple. He 
adds a strand of invitation and introduction. He brings us into God's presence. Now, Andrew is mentioned in this, but Andrew is mostly known for introducing Peter to Jesus. He introduces Peter, his brother, to Jesus, and then sort of fades into the background. This is a strand of consistency and support. Well, we all know Peter. Peter's a rock star, man. He is the rock upon which the church is built, and he brings a great, great swath of virtues and faults that elevate and validate our human responses to God's call. He brings multiple textures and colors. This is a big part of this tapestry. Now, after this, we're on to our task. This morning is to weave the three strands of human relations, God's constant presence in our lives, and our response to an invitation to participate in God's project. If we truly believe and live in the assurance that God speaks to in Psalm 139, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You hem me in, behind, and before, and lay your hand upon me. My frame was not hidden from you when I was intricately woven into the depths of the earth. This knowledge is indeed too wonderful. This is too empowering. This is too much for me to hold. I believe it is this wonderful knowledge that allowed Samuel to answer, speak, for your servant is listening, as a child and throughout his life. This knowledge allowed the disciples to answer Jesus' call to follow and change the world. This knowledge allowed Martin Luther King Jr. to answer the call to be a pastor and a prophet. This knowledge allows you to answer the call to come, work beside me at the loom, and change the world. How will you answer? Amen.
please join me in the historic affirmation of our faith. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let us pray as our Savior taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. for love of her. 
Jesus says to Philip, follow me. Jesus says to us, follow me. We have the confidence, let us say yes. Go in peace to serve the Lord in all that you do. In the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen.